you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you, welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred. I get to be your host for today, and I'm stoked today because the latest and greatest is sitting across from me. <laughs> uh, latest and greatest, uh, I beg to differ. Okay, that? so our whole listenership, they just dropped their jaws because, yeah, I'm interviewing a male. Can you believe it? Oh, I'm, I'm not the first, am I? Greg Trimble was the first. You are the second. All right. Uh, that sounds great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm honored <laughs> to be with you. <laughs> now, as all my listeners know, I married very, very well when I married Greg, and he's the best. And Jeff came as the bonus. Jeff is actually kind of my uncle-in-law, so he was the bonus to our marriage. It's been great. You are the greatest niece I have. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Let's, let, that's going to be your quote on our Instagram. There we go. I love it. Love it. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about why Jeff is here, because he is a big deal, and this is why. So he is a photojournalist. He's photographed for 31 years, and hear this, people. He's been published in the New York Times, USA Today, Deseret News, and with the Associated Press. He's been nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. What? What? <laughs> and been named Utah Photographer of the Year 15 times by the Society of Professional Journalists. And I will tell you that sometimes we don't even know when you are nominated to that. <laughs> and we find out in retrospect from friends. So humility there as well. His coverage of note include the recent Hurricane Harvey in Texas, the Haiti earthquake, two Olympic games, NBA finals, NFL, and various collegiate sports. You've also been on the cover of the Enzyme. I mean, all over, all over. Pretty impressive. Well, you know what? That's nice of you to mention all that stuff. And, you know, I, I'll tell you what, the funnest thing, the most fun thing I do is not really those big grandstandy kind of things. I think the most fun I have in photography is telling the little guy's story, telling people's story that you never would know of otherwise. I think that brings me the joy in photography. So you don't become, I mean, there's no question that you are in front of what we would call quote unquote big name people all the time. All the time. All the time. And you could be starstruck and just amazed and, and all this stuff, but you find it's the little guy. You know, it is. So I'll cover the Sundance Film Festival. I mean, you're seeing every star who's who uh, at the Sundance Film Festival. You see these celebrities, you see actors, you see politicians, athletes, everybody, everywhere. I, I, you know, it's just part of my job is to go to the places where these people attend and go to these events. So it's it's always fun to photograph them and it's fun to see them. But I think telling the story of a four-year-old with cancer and what their life is like and what their family is going through is important because creating this awareness is probably what it's all about. We need to be a voice for people who can't have a voice. And that's probably the most important thing for me. I love that. And I do remember that project that you did about that 
darling kid with cancer. Um, what have been some of the other projects you've worked on that you feel like have really fulfilled you that you just say, man, I can't believe I got to be involved with that. You know, for me, it's getting out. And uh, last week, I just got back from South America. Went on a tour with President Russell Nelson from the LDS Church, and he photographed. He went to five different countries in South America. And aside from those times when I'm with him, I get to go out in the community and tell these people's story. There was one guy that was a mechanic in Asuncion, Paraguay, and this is a guy that is struggling. His family is struggling financially and and emotionally, and they just want to get on top and they want to make money. This is a country where people are making a few thousand dollars a year. Wow. I mean, they're, they're, we think about poverty here and it's, it's nothing compared to uh, this country in South America. So telling his story about how he took his fledgling business, his auto body and mechanic business from his garage in his very modest home, very modest, to hiring five employees and buying this huge space where he can work on multiple cars at the same time and then just killing it financially. He decided that he wanted to spend more time with his family. He wanted to spend more time in his church and work on his spirituality. And this all coincided and came together and makes him a better person, makes him love his God a little more and succeeds financially with his business. So it's telling those kind of stories that are the fun thing for me. I love, I love that. And I think we probably, when we see your published work, we see a lot of President Nelson and his travels and those incredible images that you've taken, which I love and adore. And, and yet to find that, is this something you kind of do on your own time as you're traveling? Or does the church encourage you to, to go, kind of go out there and capture some of these stories? Or how does that work? Well, it, it would be kind of boring if we just showed speaker shots. I mean, people would like to see one of those here and there. But for me, what I try to do is vary the, that coverage. So I'll get out on the streets. I'll shoot some street photography. I'll get up with the great light and I'll photograph the city and I'll uh, in South America, I got to see a couple of beaches. It's like, why not get out there, show what it's like to walk this city, to be in a city. There's little kids playing soccer and there's kind of some sad things going on in the streets with homelessness and, and little kids running amok. But so what I try to do is I try to show these scenes of the country I'm in coupled with these spiritual devotionals. I love it. I love this. So, so tell me this. We, we do allow our users to submit questions sometimes. And one of our followers was mentioning, she knows your work. She doesn't know you personally, but she says, I've seen his work. I always look for it, particularly on the Deseret News and, and the church news and stuff. And she said, I, I am not a photojournalist. I've got my fancy iPhone. That's what I've got. But I really want to get better at actually telling the story of her own life. Mm -hmm. Stay at home mom with kids running amok, <laughs> like you okay. were talking about before. I like that word, yeah. What, like give her a little mini photography lesson on how she can better see her world, how you see the world. Okay. You know, that's a great question because we all have iPhones. We all have small digital cameras and suddenly everybody is a photographer. I'll put that in quotations. Everybody's a photographer and there's, that's great. I mean, you can always apply photography to anything. Maybe it's just documenting her family like you talked about. So what I like to do is give yourself, I tell her to give herself the best 
chance to succeed in photography. And what that is, is using the right kind of light. So if you're shooting your kids out playing on the playground in at midday, okay, maybe they're going to be okay. But what if you were shooting them at sunset in that same place? So I, I think of the advantages that you can already, it's just guaranteed you're going to be better just by using the right kind of light. The other thing is don't be afraid to use that video too. I mean, we don't know if those are ever going to be shown or if they're ever going to see the light of day, but spray video like crazy. Why not? Why not even take that cell phone and put it aside and get something maybe just a little better? I mean, uh, people ask me about equipment all the time and I, I'd rather talk about photo ideas rather than equipment, but why not get something that's going to allow her to get into those moments when it's dark and it's quiet and a cell phone's not going to cut that. You just can't get the quality with a cell phone. So maybe think about an upgrade somewhere in the future. The other thing is, is, is the thing that makes good photography is emotion. If you can add any kind of emotion. So when people see photographs, they either laugh or they cry, or maybe they're empathetic and looking for those little moments. And it's not that little child looking at the camera and smiling. I mean, you're going to have plenty of those kind of pictures. So look for those little moments when maybe life isn't so good or things are a little bit harder with your kids. And I think she's going to be a lot happier with the end result. I love that. So being okay with just the real rawness of the day-to-day, whether it's the mess and whether it's the tears and whether it's snuggles or whatever it may be, but sure. search for those emotions instead of look at me, look at me, cheese. Yep. You know, yep. that kind exactly. of Exactly. Those are dime a dozen for sure. Now this fascinates me because I am one of those quote unquote I do photography, not like you. People <laughs> yeah, you do. But <laughs> what I've found is I am really in awe of what you create because I am able to really control a lot. Mm -hmm. I control light. I control poses. I -hmm. control even energy. I mean, I can play games with families, all those things and photograph, and I am so in control. And you are not. I mean, sure, you you wish you could photograph President Nelson on the beaches at sunset. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. that's not the case. So what do you really rely on and man how do you keep like your you've been doing this for 31 years how do you keep that creativity going you know it's interesting uh we peer into a tiny black box we push a button and we try to make sense of the world i mean that's really what we try to do it's all about simplicity sometimes we have a real simple situation and we we make it chaotic we we make it too complex where in reality is we need to take a real simple situation and make it even simpler. And so what I'm doing as I shoot is I'm looking at everything. And this comes with time, but I look at the background. And this is something that most people would think, what do you mean the background? What, what does that mean to me? And the background is probably the most important thing you can do in photography. We've got to keep it very plain, very simple. And if there's somebody behind them that's looking at the camera, or if there's a tree that's poking up, or there's something busy on a wall, those are the kind of things that I try to avoid. And you can do that. You can do that in a number of ways. Uh, The type of lens you use, if you use a longer lens and and a wide open aperture, you can create this depth of field that eliminates those things. You can change your angle. 
Maybe your angle is a little lower. Maybe your angle is a little higher shooting down. You can really clean things up by using just plain sky, just plain road or floor. And so those are the first things that I think about. Then of course, you know, you have your basics with a high enough shutter speed to stop the action, the lighting, the content, you know, what's going on in the photo. You want to wait and watch and shoot and wait and watch and have patience. And all these things coupled can really simplify and make a beautiful image. And that's really what I'm trying to do. I think it's incredible. It scares the dickens out of me that ever be in a situation where I can't be in control of <laughs> the angle and the light and like all these things and, and yeah. just some really powerful things have come through for you. And one of the biggest questions that came from multiple listeners, they do want, I, I love how you are telling the everyday story. My grandfather is a hero of the everyday story. My mom is that same way. And I embrace that and love that. But I have to give our listeners a chance to hear this from you. What has it been like to tour with President Nelson? He is a prophet for the ages in a church full of change right now. And what have you observed? Change is an understatement, for sure. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows how much has happened in just a few short months. So you've got a prophet that now wants to see the people. In the past, they've traveled. Presidents have traveled, but nothing like this. Why do you say that? Why do you say nothing like this? For example, in April, he went to five different countries, Hong Kong, Thailand, Jerusalem, in Israel. Uh, he went to India. He went to actually got seven countries. He went to Africa. He went to London. And I'm probably missing something. Anyway, so just in April, he went to all those countries. Two weeks ago, he went to five countries in South America. This, that hasn't been done before. Bolivia, Paraguay, Uruguay, Peru, Bolivia, five countries in South America. He's also going to be in Rome for the temple dedication in March. Are you going? I'll be there. You get to go. I'll be there. I'll be awesome. there. Awesome. And there's kind of a cool, I can't tell you what it is right now, but there's kind of a pretty historic thing that's going to happen there. That's to be uh, announced later. But this is pretty monumental. This is pretty groundbreaking. So he's doing things that other presidents haven't done. He's also planned four more trips. He hasn't announced where yet. But he's probably going to go after April conference. He'll probably be going after October conference. And he just wants to get his boots on the ground in a lot of places. And what's interesting about him also is that, you know, most presidents will wave and they'll be pointing and they'll gesture and they'll acknowledge the people that are in the crowds. But he will get down in the crowds. He will hug the kids. And he'll, he, I saw him get down on his knees on the front row of One Devotional in Paraguay. And the kids came running and he's hugging them and he's talking to them and one kid kissed him on the cheek. You don't see that. I've, I've never seen that before. So those are just a few things. Now, let's not forget that he's 94. Is he 94? <laughs> yes. Is yes, that yes. right? <laughs> yes. You are not 94. Tell me what it's like to try and keep up with him. I've heard rumors about this. It, it's incredible. Uh, he doesn't get sick. He doesn't ale. Uh, this guy, this is a miracle. And it, it's, you know where it's coming from. You know where this miracle is coming from. I, I saw him one time this summer and 
instead of walking up on a stage, he going up on the stairs, he bounded onto the stage that was at least a couple feet high, just one step up on the stage. And I heard these audible gasps. It's like, oh, how can he do that? He is amazing that way. He eats whatever he wants. He exercises. He still ski. Well, he was skiing last winter. I don't know if he'll ski this winter. I wondered if they would allow yeah. him to. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I, I was recently watching a, a video. It was actually a video of you talking about watching him with the children. And then underneath it was also a video of Wendy Watson, Nelson, his wife, talking about the transformation she has seen in him in just 10 months, this transformation. And what you have photographed many prophets, and you would have to tell me specifically exactly how many you have. I know you photographed President Hinckley. I've seen great photos that way and, um, and President Monson, all those things. But what, what have you learned about how the Lord works with prophets as far as the right person at the right time? Like, what have you learned? Well, let's see. I, I think my first prophet that I shot was President Benson. And uh, that was kind of at the start of my career. This was back in the mid '80s, and I was able to go up into his apartment. He had this Eagle Gate apartment that looks down on the the fountain and the temple. Just it's just across the street. So this was a person that was very sick, and he was his mental faculties weren't quite there toward the end. Uh, I mean, great man, Secretary of Agriculture. I mean, this this man did a lot of great things. Then you get into other presidents like President Hinckley, who was just a master with the media. He knew the right thing to say at the right time. And, and President Monson was personable and told great stories. And each, you know, what's interesting is they're not trying to be like the one before them. And they're trying just to be their own person, which I applaud. I mean, why would we try to be somebody we're not? I mean, there's, they're playing off their own personalities, their own strengths. President Benson pushed the Book of Mormon. That was his big forte. And it's just been refreshing to see how each one has stepped up in their own mantle and they've got their own agenda. And I think that's probably what the, the Lord wants. I, I think he wants them to play to their strengths and he wants them to play towards the, the members of the church and let them know that he's the right person. He's the, the man of God that's supposed to be there. I love it. I absolutely love this. And this is such a message to me as a mom to give myself permission to maybe do things to play to my own strengths and to fulfill my own calling and own abilities. Maybe we can learn from them. Yeah. That's really impressive because it is tempting to just say, well, I just am going to do what she's done or I'm just going to do what he's done and, and carry on that legacy. But what a fascinating, a fascinating thing. I love it. You know what? I think that even translates to photography. Yeah, a lot of times we see photos and we go, oh, I wish I'd shot that. I wish that was mine. And, and it, I think it's okay to look at other people's work. In fact, you want to look at other people's work. That's how you get better. And you can say, oh, I like how they did this. I like what they did here. And maybe you can try that, but still your own individual. You are the artist. You're the one pushing the button. You're the one composing. Why not do it how you like it? I mean, maybe you start off by watching other people, but you end up doing it your way. Oh, I love I love this. And so many of our listeners are women who feel called to do something more. Mm -hmm. Whether that is photography, whether that is calligraphy, whether that is serving within their community, volunteering or something like that, that they're trying to find ways to do more to help 
with their own identity and and all those kinds of things. And truthfully, I I heard this story once that your mother was not thrilled about <laughs> your choice of photography. Did you to be a dentist or something? I can't remember. She did. She did. She she really wanted to have a dentist in the family. She wanted <laughs> her little boy, her little baby, to be a dentist, and and she went as far as going and enrolling me in the pre-dentistry program where I went to school. I didn't and, know that. And it's like, okay, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a go. And, and it was okay. It was fine. But then my brother had taken a photo class. He had taken a, a, an art photography class where you process your own film, you make your own enlargements. And he said, why don't, you, why don't you just try this as an elective? Just to give it a go. And it's like, wow, that sounds great. And that was it. My mom cried. I told her I was going to be a photographer. <laughs> she, she did? Cried. <laughs> yeah. She says, you're going to starve. You'll, you'll be so poor. It's just, don't do it. But then she, that was it. That's all she said. Oh, and 15 times photographer a year <laughs> later, I guess it worked out, right? <laughs> I, you know, she was, she loved to hear the story. She passed away this um, few months ago and, and she loved to hear the stories. It's like, where have you been? Who have you talked to? What, what's going on tomorrow? And, and she would just really embrace those stories that I'd tell her. And I think, you know, she was happy with what I did. She was so proud of you. Every time we would visit, she would talk about what little Jeff <laughs> most recently and show us stuff. She just, yeah. So, so this is an interesting thing because did you feel the risk behind that decision? It is a risky field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that you make a very valid point. I think we all risk many things in life. And the one thing that I knew going in is I was going to be really happy. I knew this is what I, I wanted to do. It's not what somebody else wanted me to do. It's what I wanted to do. And yes, the, the uh, competition in photography is enormous. It's huge. It's, it's amazing how very few positions there are and how many people want to do it. So yeah, it's a huge risk. It was, it was enormous. And I, I just kept thinking, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I kept digging and digging and digging. And I think we can do that in life. I think, I think what happens is you have a passion for it. And so with this passion, you end up really working hard and you excel. So this can be, apply to anything. And when you excel at something, people notice. And people notice that, hey, I like this product. I like this quality of work. And then the work follows and the money follows and pretty soon you're, you're on your way. And so I kind of feel bad for some people that I kind of see don't have the passion. I just, I hate to even tell them it's like, this maybe not something you want to do. I mean, could you really have to get in and dig and hustle? And I think that applies to any profession that you want to get into. So when you, when you talk about that, you had to kind of dig, dig, dig and hustle, what does that look like for, I mean, you're kind of an entrepreneur that, I mean, an artist, a create, what do you want to call yourself? Right. right. You, I, if you think about it, uh, I am a secretary, I'm an answering service, I'm an accountant, I'm a delivery boy, I'm a photographer. <laughs> uh, I do it all. It's like you do it all. And if yeah. you're bad at the business end of it, it doesn't matter how good you are and how hard you hustle. If you don't do it the right way business-wise, you're going to fail. So you do all the business stuff. You have to do it all. And, and, you know, if you could hire people, you could get other people involved, but you know, that's just cutting into your bottom line. So uh, you end up doing a lot of things. And so 
I think, I think that's the key is you can't just specialize. I think you have to really be good at everything. So at what point, you've got two boys who yep. are wonderful. And if you were giving them advice as far as career paths and all those things, at what point do you say something is foolish versus <sighs> go after it and max this out and make it? Because we're all dreamers, right? Yes, we yes. believe in that. Like what's, what are the signs to you that like this is foolish versus... I feel called to do this and here I go. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would never ever tell my boys that I don't do that. I would never say that. I just, I couldn't. It's like, you know what you want to do. You know what you're good at. You know what, what you're going to excel at. And I'd say, I would never pull a plug on something like that. So I, I would encourage, I encourage them to do whatever uh, they want. One of my sons is, is working. He loves the outdoors. He loves he, he's certified as an EMT. He's been with the Forest Service. He's a wilderness first responder. He rescues. He's a ski patrolman. You know, just does all this outdoor activity. And it's like right now things aren't great for him, but he's going to find his niche. He's going to find his way. And I'm just going to encourage him the whole way. So I, I wouldn't dissuade anybody. I think you have to follow your passion. I think you have to go for what you want to do. I mean, that, that's what creates joy in our lives is we we enjoy our families and we enjoy our friends. And part of that is our profession because we have to make money. And so that's a big proponent would be the word uh, portion of our lives. Uh, in fact, some people spend more time with their colleagues at work than they do with their families, at, sure. least, at least in the beginning. So uh, you have to be able to enjoy that. Oh, it's fascinating to me to, I love that you would never turn them away because it sounds like you you found purpose in struggling as a new photographer and uh, digging in and figuring it out and you're you're letting your boys experience that struggle too. I think so. I think that's part of life too. Uh, by maybe having a harder to begin with, that makes you appreciate the good too. So you know, in the beginning, it's like, wow, I, am I going to make this? I'm, and yes, I'm going to make it how am I going to make this? And, and I'm, I'm living in these crappy places and I'm, I'm <laughs> making peanuts and I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is kind of what I thought it was going to be like, but you, you succeed, you find a way. And I, I think that's, that's what people have to do. And now a quick break. Hey, you guys, this podcast is brought to you by, well, me and Sarah, and we are super excited to talk to you about our Quest Mentoring. If you are growing a business or if you are following your quest and feel a little bit stuck, well, this is for you um, because with our 17 years of business between us and almost nine kids, we know that you have to do things differently. So if you are paralyzed about making mistakes, so you don't, cause you don't want to waste time or money and, or you, maybe you just don't know what the next step is, then this mentoring is for you. And so all you have to do is it's sign up for monthly mentoring where you are going to get a monthly masterclass that is going to grow your quest. You're going to be surrounded in our Facebook group by women who get it, who are cheering you on and you're going to become clear and confident in your quest because Sarah and I are going to be there personally for you. And guess what? All you have to do is sign up right now for a dollar. It's seven days for a dollar. You get access to our trainings, our Facebook group, and us for one buck. Are you kidding me? So go to thewomenwithfire.com slash say yes and sign up today and get clarity and get confidence in your next step on your quest. And now back to our podcast. 
what did you feel like was your big break? Did you have a big break or was it slow yeah, and steady wins the yeah. race? I, I think, I think the, the big break for me was a mentor. And I would encourage others in whatever field they go into to find a mentor. And what that does, what he did for me, he was a college professor and he saw something in me and he says, you know what, you, this is something that you probably should pursue and encouraged me. And with that, he had the contacts, he had the people to talk to, and he gave me just that good shove. And that was the biggest thing for me. It was that, was that mentor. So I, I would encourage your listeners to, to find that same person, find people that know what they're doing, pick their brains and go for it. Oh, do it on your own. It's hard. Fantastic pattern and advice because anyone can find a mentor. Yes, anyone can yes. be gutsy and reach out. And you know what the interesting part of that too is that sometimes we think, oh, I can't give away my secrets. I can't give away my sources because that's going to cut into my bottom line. And it's, that's far from the truth. It's like there's plenty of work for everybody out there. And it's not going to hurt me anymore to help that college student find that success that I'm trying to find too. So yeah, I, I think we, we reach a certain place in our careers, then it's time to give back. And we need to return that favor. So that was actually my next question for you, because I have watched you as a pseudo photographer, me as the pseudo photographer, I have uh, watched you in many scenarios, either with me or with your students at BYU, who I know who have taken classes from you, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, that you have patterned that. You absolutely will sit down there and talk equipment, which is not your favorite, now I know. Um, <laughs> but you will talk light, and you will talk metering, and you will talk ideas, and you will say, come shoot with me. And you, it's always a yes from Uncle Jeff. I, th I think always. you try. I think you try. And you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't quite work out. Maybe you've got other things going, but I, there's places in your life where you can do that. You can give back. And there's nothing wrong with talking uh, shutter speeds and camera gear too, because we have to have, in photography, we have to have two sides. There's a technical side. Uh, we have to know that lens and that f-stop, and we have to know what that light is going to do. But we also have the artistic side. And so you have to know both of those things. So they're both worth talking about. Uh, you can't have one without the other. Seeing is probably the most important thing in photography. It's the most important thing. But you can't capture what you're seeing if you don't have the technical side too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like to talk to those, uh, talk to students. And people ask me questions all the time. I'm, I'm on assignment and they're, they're saying, oh, you know, I've got this situation. What would you do? Or what would you buy? Or uh, how would you handle this lighting? And uh, people are asking me that constantly, probably on every assignment I go on. And it doesn't bother you. Well, I need to focus too. True. <laughs> so find the right time. For me, yeah. It's like, let me talk to you in half an hour. Perfect. Right now I've got a, you know, with these little moments in, in, in life, if you don't catch them, this thing is gone forever. And so for me, it's these little slices of life that I have to catch and I have to be ready. And it's like a cat on a mouse. I mean, it's gone that fast. Yeah. And so I, I really have to be on, on my game if I want to capture these moments. So talking to somebody else is, is not going to cut it, but later I can talk to them. Perfect. And so what would you tell these women that are listening who are very much in the starvation mode of their craft and they do feel a little bit of that competitiveness and 
we call it a lack of abundance mentality, you know, how do you break out of it? Like, how do you say, okay, I can share some things with people when you do feel like maybe it's hitting your bottom line and you're not willing to share. How do you get out of it? It's tough. And maybe it, it's not so easy at first. Maybe, maybe you have to get, to get some successes. Maybe you have to get some clients and, and you have to reach a plateau, some, some place in that field, whatever it is. And then you can maybe start to share. Cause I, yeah, I, I understand all that. It's like, Hey, I want this. I want the AP calling me. I want the times calling me and I don't want to call those guys. So I, I totally understand that. But I, you know, we're, we're kind of all in this together too. I think numbers are important. I think, I think we have a duty. It's not just, it's not just being nice. I think we have a duty to let other people, you know, to help other people with this. That resonates for sure. That it is what's expected of us. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's the golden rule. We, we want to be treated right. We, we need to treat other people right as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I feel like you have shared such awesome stuff. I think these women are going to just be thrilled. Now you, you had a couple of major events over the past year. Your, your mother passed away. Wonderful grandma Bonnie passed away this year and you also got married. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a year. So it's, how it's a year. bought a new house. Uh, yeah, we've got, all those things are going on. Yeah. So how how are you different in married life? Because she's great. She is so great. I she's awesome. Lori Joe is awesome. Thumbs up, <laughs> baby. She's sitting over there listening. <laughs> she's uh, so great. I, I've been looking for her my whole life. I have. I've been looking for her. I I haven't found her till just a few years ago. How has she changed you? I, I think I'm more grounded. I think I, uh, I think I, I'm thinking outside of myself a lot more. And she has a couple of granddaughters that are now my granddaughters, and it's awesome. It's really cool to to be around them. And she's got three kids, and it's great to be around them. So my world has expanded a lot, and it's just been a great, great experience. And I'm looking forward to even more. She's really shaped you. You've always been great, but you guys are great together. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, I, I like to tell her that life was wonderful. I mean, before I met her, I, life, my life was great. The career was great. My, you know, I had a relationship with my kids and, and, and other people, and I dated. And I, life was really good, but I had this, this hole. I had something missing, and I knew what and it you was. you knew it? You knew it. I okay. knew it was missing. I knew it. And... I was looking, I was looking, 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 and I found her. Yeah, you scored big time. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm a no, by no means done and, and feeling satisfied. I'm, I'm always hungry and I'm always looking for uh, things professionally and, you know, everything financially, physically. I'm, I'm still, still trying to be the best I can, but this, uh, this was huge, you know, huge. Big, big component. Oh, I love, oh, she's just the greatest. She is the greatest. Right over there. Hi, honey. <laughs> We're talking about you. <laughs> she can't hear you, but she can hear me. <laughs> That's okay. That's, this is good for her to hear. This is really good. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so with now that you have this wonderful woman permanently in your life who we adore on the All Red side, all the people listening are women, like pretty much 98%. Mm-hmm. What would be your message to them on their impact in the world? Oh, wow. I, you know, we I didn't guys, prepare you. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. I love, I love this because it, it just lets me speak from the cuff. You know, we guys are just a bunch of slubs. <laughs> we, 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 we're happy at the dumbest things. We're like dogs. And, and you women totally complete us. It's, it's, I mean, it's really incredible how, how dumb we are. And you, you women are the brains behind this whole operation. I mean, how would we even get dressed in the morning? Seriously, how'd you guys? <laughs> I, I'm you sound not, like I'm my not, father-in-law right now. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like women play such an important role in the world, in our lives. I mean, from the community all the way through everything. And, and just, you know, just as a note in this recent election, all these women that are being elected to pretty high office, uh, U.S. senators, uh, governors, this this should have happened, you know, a hundred years ago, and you know to 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 look back and say, oh, Native Americans couldn't even vote till the twenties, the nineteen twenties. I mean, it's just it's incredible. And women, I can't remember what year that began, but yeah, women are, are the most important thing we have, and and they they knock off our rough edges, and they make life so much easier. Have you seen that in? President Nelson, as he works with women and and with with his wife, Wendy, like, what do you notice? What does she bring to the experience? Absolutely. So President Nelson had 10 children with his first wife. She passed away. Wendy Nelson, who he married second, was never married. And she was good friends with Sherry Dew, and she had a great life, and they purchased homes together and rented them out. And she had, you know, she had a great life. And, and then President Nelson comes along and they, of course, fall in love and they get married. And what's, what's interesting is President Nelson will talk about his wife. His wife has passed away. Dansel. Dansel. Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Uh, he talks about her to this day all the time. Talks about her all the time. And Wendy is there smiling. And she knows that this was important for President Nelson. I mean, this is a big, huge part of his life. But now she's involved with him. And it's, it's amazing. She'll hang on to him. And I've never seen a prophet's wife do what she does. She'll go up and just grab him and hug him. And she'll put her head on her, his shoulder. And they're always holding hands. And he goes nowhere without her. I mean, he does. Uh, he's looking for her first and then dealing with other people second. Is that so. uncommon? Very for, for the for the wife to be with them the whole time. That's well, I mean, there you'll see the the wife at general conferences and public events, but this is truly different. I've I've not seen this before, and and he really cares about her. And what was interesting is she spoke at all five stops in South America. She spoke at every meeting, and she wow. would tell the story about how President Nelson will all of a sudden need to receive guidance and inspiration, even revelation. And he'll say to her, and this is what she's, she's speaking about. She'll say, he'll, he'll say to her, it's time. 
And then she knows, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to just leave him alone. President Nelson has this yellow legal pad. He'll just start taking notes. And this could happen in the middle of the night. It could happen in the middle of the day. And she would speak about this. And I, I'd never heard this before. And I think just her openness and her honesty and candidness is something that we need to hear. We need to know about these things. It shouldn't be a secret. And we need to know that he's inspired. He's receiving the revelation. And he's the person that God talks to. And, and what that looks like on a day-to-day right. basis. Right, right. So, so this might be, you know, in the middle of the night and she steps away and just lets him do what he needs to do. And so listening to this candor was really refreshing. We can, yeah. we can all take a lesson in that. I mean, when he encouraged at April conference that we have got to figure out how to receive revelation, just like he does, you know, yeah. that was the challenge. And you kind of go, really, really? Yeah. And yeah. here's the living and breathing example of, of how that happens. Ah, yes. Well, Uncle Jeff, thank you. Oh, I can't quit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sure you can. Of course you can. This has been amazing. I am so grateful that you would give us your spare time so that we could close out season four right on the Women with Fire with with you. Just Thank amazing. You. Thanks for inspiring these women to go after it and and to use all their gifts and talents to to find identity and to to change the world. So impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was really my pleasure. I'm honored. I am humbled and uh, flattered that you'd come talk to me. So, you know, you said one word though, talent. And mm. that's really interesting because everybody, there was a movie I saw with Lori uh, recently and he, and he talks about, you know, I'm, the, the character was saying, yes, I'm talented, but there's talent everywhere in this room. Everybody's got talent. And it just depends on what it is that you'd like to do, that what you're good at, what you do. And so use that, use that talent, expand it. and make yourself indispensable to future employers and you know the the I, I think the sky's the limit so so expand on that talent fantastic thank you so much for joining us hey thanks for listening to the women with fire podcast your support means a lot to us in fact your support is what makes this podcast possible If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.